Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we embrace and explore what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday lives as Catholic women. My name is Chloe Linger, and today I'm having a conversation about a truly Catholic understanding of the word education, which encompasses every education option from homeschooling to public schooling to private or parochial school. And we're talking about sharing the faith with children in a way that honors their dignity as daughters and sons of God. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Katie Bogner. She is the author of Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. We're diving into how to take some of the most ancient and gorgeous traditions in Catholicism, like Lectio Divina, Visio Divina, and the Rosary, and how to help children truly encounter the beauty of the faith. I've loved following Katie on social media for years and have so many of her resources penned and saved and filed away for future use. So it was such an honor to get to know her story better and have the chance to introduce you to her as well. Whether you're a parent, a teacher, or a catechist, if the idea of sharing your faith with the kids in your life can feel a little bit daunting and you're looking for some practical guidance to help kids encounter the Lord in his church, sister, this letter is for you. This episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by Pillar and Pearl, where you will find a unique assortment of Catholic goods, liturgical living resources, and a gorgeous collection of gift boxes for every occasion. Whether you're looking for a unique gift for your godchild, your best friend, or yourself, Pillar and Pearl gift boxes include pieces curated by some of my absolute favorite Catholic artisans and names that you'll recognize as a Letters to Women listener, including Pink Salt Riot, Corda, and Theology of Home. You can use the code CHLOE10 at checkout. That's all caps, one word, CHLOE10, to not only receive 10% off your order with Pillar and Pearl, but also support the work that Letters to Women does here on the podcast. You can find Pillar and Pearl in the show notes to today's episode or online at pillarandpearl.com. Now let's dive into this conversation with Katie. Today, I'm welcoming to the podcast Katie Bogner. She is a Catholic school teacher and director of religious education from Central Illinois. She's passionate about equipping parents and catechists and teachers to share the beauty and truth of Christ and his church with their students. On her website, Look to Him and Be Radiant, she shares free lesson plans and printables and other resources for teaching the faith. Katie, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you here on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Chloe. So I have loved following you on Instagram for quite a while now. I'm really excited to get to sit down and talk with you today about a brand new book you've written, as well as dive into things like the role of parents when it comes to evangelization, how to take Catholic traditions like Lectio Divina or Visio Divina and help kids encounter them. But first, to start us off, Katie, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Yeah, sure. So I am a cradle Catholic, so I was blessed to grow up in the faith, baptized as an infant raised in a family where we attended mass every Sunday and prayed before meals. But that was that was kind of it in our family culture. Um, we didn't really, you know, celebrate the liturgical seasons or read the Bible together. We didn't pray the rosary together as a family. Now, kind of spoiler alert, fast forwarding, my whole, you know, my immediate family, my siblings and my my parents, we all have experienced some like different conversions along the way. But but thinking back to my childhood, that wasn't I think people assume that if you're living um, a devout life as a as an adult, that it, you must have had this like perfect idyllic, you know, rich and steeped in tradition um, childhood. And that that just wasn't my story. I also didn't have any friends who were um, practicing Catholics growing up. I had some wonderful, wonderful relationships with amazing, beautiful Protestant friends who really showed me what it was like to walk with Christ and to pray. um, And I saw kind of their family culture. And so when I was in like late high school and early college, I got involved in some different ministries and some other churches and had um, some wonderful experiences with um, I don't know, Catholic um, 
like, like seeing some of the Catholic teaching that I had heard before, but seeing it actually lived out in practice. Um, it was kind of the first time I had really seen people on fire for their faith. Um, seeing the relationship that they had with Christ was incredibly personal and prayer was something that was like breathing to them. And I just knew that they had something that I was like missing, <laughs> like I was missing something. Um, and so it made me really question, like, where, where is this coming from? And, and how did they develop this in their life? Um, and so I started spending more time with different people and asking some questions um, and, and really did consider like, okay, is this what, what, what I need to do? Do I need to look at a different church? Do I need to be in a different Bible study? Um, but praise God. I all along, I kind of had this moving feeling in the back of my head that there was still truth to be found in Catholicism. And so I never, I never really walked away. Um, it just caused me to want to find answers. I, I knew that there was something that I was missing, um, but I also firmly believed that I could find it in the Catholic Church. And so um, after a little bit more seeking and some more time, I ended up um, going away to college and got involved at a wonderful Newman Center, um, small but mighty. And then they also had focused missionaries there. So the Fellowship of Catholic University Students and that experience during the couple of years that I was there literally changed my life. So I, for the first time, met young Catholics who were on fire for their faith, who knew how to pray, who loved Jesus, who um, lived the sacraments, who knew scripture, who could pray together, who cared about one another and wanted to serve um, others out in the world. Uh, uh, anyway, so fast forward, I, I found a home in the Catholic Church. Even though I had grown up there, it took that long for me to feel at home. Um, so then I, um, came home. And like I said, now I was on fire for my faith um, and got back involved at my local tiny hometown church and asked the pastor if I could start a Bible study for some of the girls who would be going away to college in the fall. I wanted to make sure they had the foundation that I felt I had kind of been lacking. And he said, absolutely, Katie, you start a Bible study. That's great. And he said, hey, um, also, by the way, we need a director of religious education. Like, would you consider doing that and organizing the, the CCD classes for the kids? And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not qualified for that. No way. Um, I should mention that my degree is in education. So I had come home and I was teaching at the local public school. Okay, so he says yes to the Bible study. I say no to being the DRE. Um, the summer wraps up and the girls go away to college. And I say, hey, father, you know, youth group, like it's been defunct for the past, you know, 10 years. Could I start the youth group back up again? Would you be okay with that? And he's like, Katie, that's great. You start the youth group. What do you need? You know, you need more volunteers. You need space. You need funds. We'll do it. What do you need? It's like, and hey, we, we also, we still don't have a DRE. <laughs> Would you be willing to be the DRE? Um, and I told him no several times, but long story short, I ended up conceding and took on the role as well of the director of religious education. And again, remember, very small parish. So, um, and I'm still there, actually. It's been like 12 or 13 years. So that also had a huge um, role in my life and like my seeking and my learning how to live out my faith. And that because now I had to lead and, you know, you have to, you have to know what you're talking about <laughs> before you ask someone else to follow. So um, I took on that role and um, I organized the, the you know, religious education classes and the adult Bible studies and youth group and things like that. Um, and then eventually I also worked my way into a Catholic school. So I currently teach in a Catholic school and then help um, run the education side of things at a smaller parish nearby. So that, that kind of like crooked journey has led to where I am now and has just made me really passionate for making sure that whether someone is a volunteer catechist or a youth group leader or a parent with their own kids at home, that they have the tools that they 
they need that maybe don't come naturally or aren't from their own background or own, you know, growing up years, that they have some, some things in front of them that can help them pass the faith on to the kids in their lives and feel equipped to do so with like passion and enthusiasm, because gosh, we have, we have so much goodness and truth and beauty to share with the next generation. I, I don't want anyone to miss out on it. And I love too how the role that you're playing right now at DRE as a Catholic school teacher, how that really encompasses your journey as a Catholic woman too, how your experience of, of finding your home within the Catholic church and rediscovering the beauty of that has influenced the way that you help others teach and how beautiful it is to see the Lord use that season of, of searching and desiring to grow closer to him and then to finding that within the Catholic church to really influence the way that you teach others today, which is absolutely beautiful. It makes me so grateful. And like, I don't take any of it for granted. Does that, if that makes sense, like because of kind of that path that I took to get here. So I originally had connected with you via Instagram and I was so excited to see that you have recently wrote a brand new book called Through the Year with Jesus, Gospel Readings and Reflections for Children. And it's published by Emmaus Road Publishing. I would love to hear more about the inspiration behind the book. And then this is a, this is not going to do this book justice because it's so visually beautiful, but (laughs) to take a stab at what readers will find inside the cover. Yes. I wish that this is one of those things, you know how like sometimes you're watching something on television, like a cooking show and you wish that it was scratch and sniff so you could tell what this on a podcast every now and then I wish there was just like a little moment we can just like send people a blip of what they could see on the other side of the screen but this would be a great time to do that but um, okay so um, based on the story that I already told about who I am and how I got to the, the point I am right now like in my career in ministry um, obviously I'm very passionate about sharing resources with catechists and teachers and parents and so um, I have a blog where I share like I've got like a decade worth of free lesson plans and printables and things that I have readily shared so that people have those tools at their fingertips. But, you know, kind of a natural extension of that is people were constantly asking me like, well, have you written a book yet? Like, have you put this in book form? There's something about that concrete, have it in your hands, flip through it, know what to do next kind of idea. Um, So it's always in the back of my mind, but this opportunity came up with um, Emmaus Road Publishing, and I am just so grateful for the direction that it took. Um, So the book is meant to help families or classrooms. We were very careful about how we worded the language and the example. So it really is welcoming to pretty much any situation. Like it could be a grandparent who wants to read it with their grandchild, or um, it could be done in a classroom or at a parish, or of course, at, at home around the dinner table, for example. So it's a book that helps um, adults walk with kids through the liturgical year, but focusing on the life of Jesus, because I love, I love saints these days more than, you know, most other people, I think. But sometimes we, as we're going through the liturgical year and all of the celebrations and the seasons and the fasting and the feasting, we sometimes lose focus, I think, uh, I mean, me first, um, that it's actually focused on the life of Christ, right? Like we're, we're reliving his story. And that's the big picture. And for kids whose attention spans and focus and all of that are much more minute, um, I think sometimes we lose them and they don't they don't see that. So the book is meant to help kids walk through the liturgical year, getting to know the stories of Jesus, maybe beyond those those typical few stories that they often hear in like a like a picture book version of Jesus, for example. Um, and so every week there is a reading from the Gospels and they, they don't necessarily match the readings you'll hear at Mass because, you know, those are on like a three-year cycle. So we wanted to make sure the book was, um, you know, had longevity and was something that could be picked up year after year. So there's a reading from the Gospel that follows the pattern and the theme of the liturgical year. 
But then there's a bunch of tools to go along with it to help those conversations happen between the adult and the child. Because you know, that's where the magic happens, right? <laughs> like that's where all of the good stuff is. When when you get a conversation going and the kids are asking questions and the, the parents are posing ideas. And, and honestly, the adults have just as much to gain from the wisdom of the children, right? Like their innocence and wonder and the connection that they have with Christ is something that you know, we often lose that later in life. And so the, the conversation is meant to go both ways, which is really, really like a gem of this book, I think. When I picked up the book, I loved how, how much of a variety in terms of, of the educator and then the the child that's present and represented here. So this is for parents. This is for catechists. This is for teachers. It's so well encompassing everyone who would like to share their faith with kids. But I like particularly how you mentioned parents. The catechism has this great line where it refers to parents as the primary educators of faith. If listeners are wanting to dive a little bit deeper into the nitty gritty of it, it's paragraph 2223. And it says that parents have the mission of teaching their children to pray and to discover their vocations as children of God. That can be a little daunting. Yes. <laughs> Can you share a little bit more about what what does it mean to look through education with a Catholic vantage point? And how does the church envision parents and catechists and teachers really working together to share the light and truth of Catholicism with kids today? Yeah, I, I love that passage in the catechism. And as a teacher, it is really, really important for me to have that like in the forefront of my mind, because while my like, you know, my full time job is is teaching the faith to other people's children. And so um, even though that's what is all consuming in my mind, I have to remember that really I am actually assisting the parent in the role that God has given them. And that is such a privilege and a gift for me to be, be a part of that story. Even though like on the, you know, the day-to-day of things, it, you know, me more worried about, you know, grading things or sending emails or whatever it is, but the, to step back, it's actually a really profound thing that the church um, invites us into in whatever role it is. So um, if you are, you know, you're volunteering with the youth group at your parish, or you're someone's godparent, or um, their confirmation sponsor, you kind of take on some of those roles as well. So I love, um, you know, you know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Like, but in the church, we actually have it better. Um, I think we can say, like, it takes the body of Christ to, like, bring up a child in the church. And so while the the responsibility and the, the, um, the primary role is always going to fall with the parent, I think it's really beautiful that other people are invited into that. And it might be, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean like me, I'm a Catholic school teacher. So, so obviously there are kids that I spend the day with who their parents have chosen to send them to our school. And I have the job of, of teaching them certain things, but this also could be, you know, a parent who chooses to homeschool and they're, you know, really taking on a different role in the way that they're educating their child. But the way that something um, can like, we can still work together as the body of Christ is maybe it's the books that they choose to use, right? Like they're relying on the wisdom and gifts and talents of, of another part of the body of Christ to help them bring up their children. Or maybe it's a video they watch together that's produced by someone. So while the parent will always maintain that role of being the primary educator, it's really cool that we can work together to bring the best of the, the truth of the church to the kids and the resources that we present to them. And I also think it's good for families to know that um, we've all been made, you know, we're all made in God's image and likeness, but we're also all very unique. We have different gifts and talents. We have different charisms. And so I think it's good for parents to know that the way that they go about educating their child and bringing them up in the faith, there's lots and lots of ways (laughs) to go about that. Just like 
like the feminine genius, which I know is such an important part of your ministry, that the way that we live out the feminine genius, like is so varied and therefore so beautiful. That is such a beautiful way of putting it too. And I think it really counteracts this idea that sometimes it can be easy for parents to fall into the trap of thinking of education as, well, that's a teacher's job. That's what they're, that's their job. That's what they're hired to do by the school. But to instead put it into this context of realizing you're a primary educator and a teacher works alongside with you. And that is, I think, a big shift in framework um, about the way that we think about education. And then I think it impacts a lot of the ways that we parent and the ways that we teach. And it becomes more of a collaboration where, like you said before, as an as an educator, whether that's the parent or the teacher or the catechist or the youth minister, we get to learn too, along with the kids that we're ministering to. And that is a really beautiful way to look at education. Yeah. And I like as I said, it's it is a privilege from any standpoint. And I think it's really important for parents to know too that 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 being called the primary educator, it can be really intimidating, right? Like be like, well, I don't know. I don't know everything that that my child needs to know. Or maybe Maybe, you know, I wasn't um, raised in the faith or maybe I don't feel like I had a strong catechesis. Well, that's okay. Like there are tools out there to help you. And so your role is to guide your child, to provide them with the whatever resources it might be. And that might be choosing a Catholic school. That might be a public school and then a rich life in the parish. It might be teaching them at home. There's so many options. Um, but the important thing is that actually, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work. And so your role is so much more about prayer and establishing a home that is filled with the virtues and and uh, that it's not about knowledge <laughs> that's that's another thing I want to make sure to emphasize this is not you know you don't have to pass a test to, to be reminded that you're the primary educator of your child you were given your child by God and therefore you are fit for the role it is you so um, it's hard and intimidating but such a beautiful challenge I love how you start out this new book by pointing out that regardless of where we're at in in a season of life, we all love stories. And I think this is so true when it comes to kids. And scripture is full of these incredible stories, but sharing these stories with kids is another thing that can be intimidating, especially when, you know, I'm listening to Father Mike Schmitz's Bible in a year and realizing that, oh, tucked into scripture in between the stories that I'm used to from a Bible picture book perspective are some stories that are kind of difficult to listen to as a parent, as an adult. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about this ancient prayer practice of Lectio Divina that you talk about in your new book and what that means for our prayer life as Catholics. And then also, if you could share a little bit about how we can make Lectio Divina accessible to kids, which is just this beautiful tool of making scripture accessible to all of us. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a little biased, but Lectio Divina is my favorite way to pray with kids. Um, it's something I've been doing in the classroom and in youth groups and stuff for quite a while. And it's taken, it's taken some time to, to develop how to help guide them. Um, but I should back up a second. If you've never heard of it, it sounds really intimidating because it's fancy Latin words, which actually gets the kids' attention. They're like, ooh, what is this? This is fancy. <laughs> but it really ju- it just means divine reading. It means taking the scripture and instead of viewing it like as a textbook or, um, you know, a checklist to get through, it, it's actually a prayer. And while anyone can use it, it can benefit anyone. I actually think that it is like perfect for kids because the, um, one of the, one of like the tenets of Lexa Divina is that it's not about quantity. It's more about quality. And so you're often looking at smaller chunks of scripture and reading them at a much slower pace and going deeper which is something that kids need. You know, we can't fly through (laughs) a whole bunch of a long story and expect them to track with us, right? So you can, I mean, you can do Lexa Divina with literally one verse. 
if necessary. Um, and so anyway, okay, so there are, there's four steps to Lexia Divina and essentially each of those steps is an invitation to get a little deeper into the story. Um, and while that sounds like a lot to memorize, it's, it's really not. And so one of the things that we did in the book is with all of the stories. So there's about, there's about 60 different stories about Jesus. So one for every week plus Holy Week. And then a few other solemnities we threw in there. Um, so with, we have the full text of the scripture, but then we also have this side panel that has each of these four steps of Lexa Divina and then like a guiding question, for example, or it might be like a thought. So often what you'll do is you'll, you'll read the story and then you might pose that question or that thought. And um, you can do it lots of different ways. You might allow for some time uh, for silence, which is difficult for all of us, right? But, but such a rich part of prayer. And when I say silence with kids, I'm, I'm talking like it could be 20 seconds, right? It doesn't have to be a super long amount of time. Um, and then those questions also make for a really great discussion. Like it's amazing when, when talking with kids, Especially, I mean, I have the benefit of a whole classroom, but when I pose something like that, it, it literally blows me away how the same scripture passage that I have read hundreds of times with, you know, theoretically hundreds of kids at this point, that someone can say something new that like has never struck me. And it's because the word of God is living and active. And so we can't discount these stories, which is the, what the beginning of your question was, these stories that God invites us into that they're not just factual. They're actually, a, you know, they're, le- they're a letter to us. They're, they're God speaking directly to us in this moment at this time. And he always has a message for us through them. So Lexa Divina is just a, a method to help kind of pull out that meaning and help all of us go a little deeper. Um, and I, I really do think that it is such a beautiful way for, for adults and kids or for a whole family to pray the scriptures together. I love too how Lexa Divina truly honors the way that a child is processing something, whether it's presenting it in a story form, inviting them to think and ponder and then share their thoughts where it's not, there's not a right answer. It's not like this is a test about, you know, did you you know choose A through B, which one <laughs> A through C, which do you think is the right answer? But really inviting them to encounter the Lord as an individual, as a child of God. And I think that really, truly honors their dignity as, as a child. And then as a student, as someone who's learning. Yeah, I completely agree with you with that. Absolutely. When I first opened your new book, my first impression is I was totally blown away by this wide range of absolutely gorgeous artwork that you've included. And you point out in your introduction that children and adults alike learn more using visual components. For listeners who've never heard of this phrase that you use in the book, Visio Divina, can you share more about what that is and then how approaching our faith through the lens of artwork is helpful when it comes to sharing our faith with kids in our lives? Yeah. Okay. So Visio Divina. So Flexio Divina is divine reading. Visio Divina is just divine seeing. So again, fancy words that kind of catch our attention. But I don't think it surprises anybody, even if you're an auditory learner, you know, you learn well just by listening. We all benefit from from seeing something as we are approaching a new concept or a new topic. There's a reason why God gave us our five senses, right? To encounter the world. And if and if we can encounter the world through our senses, we of course can encounter him. So one of the things we did in the book um, is there for every entry, there's a full page, full color piece of sacred art. And there's quite a variety. So I think there's, you know, even if even if they're not all your style per se, because they're from a wide variety of eras and artists and all kinds of things, but it still gives that visual component. And so for both the adult and the child, as you read the story to also have an image in front of you to ponder and to look at the details of and to consider like the artist's interpretation of that particular gospel story can really add an entirely different depth 
to the way you pray with that passage. Um, and so the Visio Divina element um, allows, again, you slow down, you think about what's happening, you think about what you see, you might consider the colors that the artist used or where the light is coming from in the image and what that might symbolize. And so, um, especially with a young child, you know, you might not typically gravitate towards these more classic sacred pieces of art because you think, oh, well, that's not as, as friendly to them, but really they can pick up on amazing things. And I think it's good to expose them to um, these classic works of art. So sometimes it's awesome to consider, like in, in my book, for example, you don't have to read the entire, you know, it might be a 15 long, 15 verse long passage that we chose. You don't have to read that whole thing. You might just read the the memory verse and and tell the child in your own words kind of what's happening. So they still hear the scripture, but then with the with the image in front of you, then you can kind of consider and ask them, what do you see happening? Who do you think these people are? Um, what might have just been said, or or what what emotion does this make you feel? So the art just totally opens up the passage in a totally different way. And just as we have already said, it kind of honors the dignity of the child and allows there to be lots of ways to look at the the story to consider what might be happening and and also then to connect it back to them because just like some people learn really well um, in an auditory way there's other kids who are incredibly visual learners and so this might be like honoring the way that they learn and understand and in a way that really they haven't done before as they're talking or learning about their faith right so I love that we were able to include that for every week in the book it really opens up the age range that parents or educators or whoever picks this book up can think about it applying to. I think a lot of times when it comes to educational resources, I remember growing up as someone who was homeschooled and saying like, oh, this is a sixth grade book or this book is meant for eighth graders. But this book I think is absolutely beautiful because I have an 18 month old daughter at the time that we're recording this. And when I go to mass with her, I bring my Magnificat and she always flips to the back and they have a classical piece of artwork that they're talking about and meditating on. And that's what she gravitates towards. And so to have a book where I can read something to her, like you were saying, like in, in my own words, as a little 18 month old to look at this picture with me, the conversation piece isn't quite there yet, but we'll get there. But I think it's so beautiful because it applies to such a wide range of, of learners in terms of age and then the way that they process things and their learning styles. And it's it's really all-encompassing and absolutely gorgeous. And how beautiful that you're, I mean, I'm, I'm saying beautiful, but like you're literally exposing her to that that beauty. And and she's like, the the way you said that she gravitates towards it, that, that makes sense, right? Like that's the way we, for centuries, have evangelized in the Catholic Church is with the beauty that we're surrounded with, right? There wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here's this children's section of the church with, you know, and we only use cartoons over there because that's what kids can understand. They're like, no, children, children can understand much more than we often give them credit for. And so I love that we can expose them to these works through that method. And I agree that it really does expand the application. I mean, just in general of the book, but then in, 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 in all of our, our work as a church, um, that we sometimes don't give enough credit to those beautiful works of art that we have in our heritage and the fact that children of all ages can appreciate and study and enjoy them. They just often need the opportunity. Um, and so the book does allow that. And it also, it's kind of funny. People have asked many times what age range we were, we were aiming for. And they, they think I'm joking when I say, Oh, well really the target was somewhere between four and 14 and because like you said, Chloe, that's not the way you usually, you know, age a book, right? You usually get like a very specific range. But because it was meant to foster conversations between adults and children, 
it is, it's really all encompassing because it's however you want to use it. It's not a textbook. It's not a devotional that has to be done from cover to cover. It's, it's a resource. It's a tool. And I even, um, I've now had adults who've told me like, well, okay, so I thought I was going to be, it would be kind of weird, but I went ahead and I bought the book for me and I've been using it and I've been reading the passages and using the questions to journal with. And, and Katie, I really love it. And I'm an adult and I'm like, you don't have to be embarrassed about that. I'm super honored that people have seen that. The possibilities are endless. It's scripture and it's art and it's prayer. And that applies to all of us. We've been talking a lot about the contents of this book. It's beautiful gospel passages. It's this gorgeous artwork. But it's also, I love how you also included a guide to the rosary in your new book. And you have this great line where you write, the beauty of the rosary is not just a method of meditative prayer. It's also essentially a Bible study on a string. And I love that phrase. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that, the Bible study on a string? And then do you have any tips for navigating praying the rosary with little kids, especially I think for parents or women who are listening who are moms, where we all know there's a little bit more playing than praying going on during those times. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, maybe I should just be honest right from the get-go and say that the rosary has not ever been my, like, I don't gravitate towards the rosary. It's not my favorite prayer. Now, I I still do try to get in a daily rosary, um, but what really changed my mind about praying the rosary was the first time that someone kind of introduced it to me as like, oh, well, you know, remember, like, you're supposed to be kind of, you know, meditating about these stories. And I know that sounds so obvious, but you know what I mean? How sometimes someone just has to, like, shake you and, like, make sure you get it. Um, and I, um, in the midst of kind of my like kind of reversion back to bringing my faith to life in college, I completely fell in love with studying the Bible and seeing, understanding typology and the covenants in the Old Testament and how things fit together. And so once that started like cementing in my mind, when I finally realized that while I was praying the rosary, it was almost like doing like this contemplative Bible study as I consider these stories that were so pivotal in the life of my Lord. Um, it, it really changed the way I pray the rosary. Now, I'm going to be honest, I still struggle with it sometimes, but that has really changed things for me. So that is also how I try to approach um, teaching and also praying the rosary with my students, because they also can see it as something that is kind of route and boring and repetitive. Um, and so a couple of tips that I would have, and actually not just for families with young kids, but even families with older kids who maybe are not um, super convinced that the rosary matters or, or is, you know, can be a beautiful way to pray is number one, you don't have to do the whole thing at one time. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds crazy and almost like I'm encouraging you to cheat, but I, I think that like praying one decade well is, can be more powerful than rattling off, you know, the whole thing without a lot of meaning. So, so even if it's just one decade and, and it's prayed, you know, like a lot, a little slower and with a little more intentionality, that's better. And, and then of course, you know, you know, you can spread it out throughout the day. So maybe you pray a decade while you're eating breakfast and maybe you pray another decade on the commute to school. And, and then maybe you pray a decade while you're setting the table, you know, like it also can be like that where you spread it out. Um, so obviously there's my second tip is um, sometimes it's okay to pray the rosary while you're doing things, you know, do it on a drive, do it on a family walk, do it while you're preparing for bedtime, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes that movement is necessary and, and kids can still process a lot while they're moving around, right? Like you're not necessarily losing them. Um, and then I think the third tip that I would share, again, for kids of any age is to give them the tools that they need to be successful. Just like if we were going to ask them to learn a new sport or pick up a new hobby, we would want them to have the resources and equipment and whatever it is that they need. So 
whether that is a rosary that captures your child's attention. So, you know, for little guys, maybe it's like a choose life rosary, like one of the chewy ones, you know, that they can play with safely and all of that. Maybe for an older kid, they um, they get to go with you to the Catholic bookstore and pick out a special rosary is, that is just for them for family rosary before bed. And they have some like ownership and buy-in with it. Um, if you've got a crafty kid, maybe they make their own rosary, you know, like whatever it might be. Um, and then also to have things like sacred art that matches the stories, for example, or maybe if you're only doing the one decade method, maybe you take a moment and you actually read um, a short version of that, that story from the scriptures or from a, from a Bible picture book before you pray. So use the tools necessary to keep them engaged. And then as they grow, then of course, the, the amount of um, uh, what they get out of the rosary is just going to continue to expand. I love those tips because they make the rosary so much more accessible. I think, like you said, this is really helpful for people with little kids where, yeah, it may be incredibly difficult and impossible and not a good fit for your family to sit down and pray all five decades of the rosary. But I think, too, what's really beautiful about what you're describing is that it's describing the rosary as a springboard into growing into deeper relationship with the Lord, where it's it's one decade. It doesn't have to be all five. It's, that's not cheating. And how that can be such a beautiful way to enter deeper into scripture and, and seeing the rosary as a tool to eat, enter deeper into scripture versus something that we just, well, we get the 10 Hail Marys in and then we say it, glory be, and then we move on to the next decade. And like you said, like this rote memorized prayer, but really to see it as a tool to grow in relationship with the Lord, whether that's through meditation or for studying scripture or things like that. I think that is a different way than I think a lot of us think about the rosary as kind of the old-fashioned prayer that our grandparents prayed and that was good for them but not so much for us well and imagine I mean those 20 there's a reason why this the church chose those 20 particular stories to assign to the mysteries right so I mean you know even if you did the one decade method for a long time while you're while your kiddos are, are little imagine by the time they're let's just say 10 you know 10 is like that golden age where they're starting to kind of make their own decisions but they you know they still want the like the approval of the adults in their life. But just at that age, imagine the fact that if they've prayed the decades, even just one at a time throughout their life, you know, once a month, at least they've heard that particular mystery. They have a really well-rounded understanding of the life of Christ and his mother and kind of how the pieces fit together. And so many other things will make sense to them. So I, nothing is wasted. Like every, every little bit matters, right? Just like the fragments that were collected after the feeding of the 5,000, you know, how at the end they talk about how they took the baskets around and they collected all the extra pieces. I always try to remind myself that even, so I, I spend most of my day with middle schoolers. So very often I say things and teach them things and, and try to come up with cool ways to teach them the faith. And I don't always get through. And I also don't get a lot of like, you know, feedback from them, if that makes sense. But I always have to remind myself that like none of the fragments are wasted. They're all collected. There is nothing that isn't impacting them in some way. Um, so whether you have a toddler or a teenager, <laughs> every little bit counts. And you never know how all of that will add up to, to end up being something miraculous in their life. That's such a good reminder. Katie, we've talked about this throughout the podcast. We're, we could talk about this book for an hour and it still wouldn't do it <laughs> justice. Where can listeners pick up a copy of your brand new book? So they can, um, the St. Paul Center is um, has the book. And then of course, it's also on Amazon. And I would also love to encourage you to support your local Catholic book, bookstore if you have one close enough to you and ask them to carry it as well. And then where can people connect with you online if they want to continue to dive deeper into what you share about education and the resources that you provide? So the best place to find me is my blog, which is looktohimandberadiant.com. 
Um, and so you can go through all the archives and find lots and lots of free printables and all kinds of stuff to use both in the home and classroom. And then I do love Instagram. I know we've already talked about it, but on Instagram, I'm Katherine.Bogner. So you can connect with me there. You know, Katie, the one question that I ask every woman who comes on the podcast is the one that I will use to close out our conversation together today. And it's this, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman who's passionate about equipping others to share the beauty of Catholicism? I love this question. I love it so much. Um, I have um, Pope John Paul II is just a saint that is super close to my heart. So reading um, the words that he has, that he wrote about the feminine genius um, has really helped me understand my role as a woman, especially as a single Catholic woman who is working in education and clearly loves children and families, but doesn't have one of my own. Um, so it's really important for me to, to remind myself that my, my call right now is to make sure that I'm using the gifts and talents that God has given me with the people he has put in front of me that day. And so um, throwing out another saint, we know Eva Stein talked about how a woman's heart is a shelter in which others, um, other souls can unfold. And so every woman is called to do that with the, the people that are present in their life each day, no matter who that might be. So it might be their parents, it might be their classmates, it might be their students, it might be their own children, it might be their husband. So um, that's one of the things that I really have tried to do, especially as I grow older, older and grow more comfortable in like who I am and who God has made me to be, to make sure that I am presenting myself and um, approaching the people who are in front of me with warmth and kindness and, um, and rest coming from a spirit of rest to allow them to really feel comfortable and welcomed and, um, that I can, I can give them the best that God has asked me to do, whatever, uh, whatever that day brings. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for time this evening to sit down and get to know you better. And thank you for all the work and intentionality that went into through the year with Jesus. It's an absolutely beautiful book that I can't wait for listeners to check out. Thank you so much for having me, Chloe. It was really an honor. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to letterstowomenpodcast.com to check out this week's show notes. Or if you're listening in your podcast player, you can just scroll down to browse through links to get your own copy of Through the Year with Jesus and check out links to everything that Katie mentioned in our episode together, from her blog to the rosaries that she mentioned for little kids from Choose Life that are some of Maeve's favorites. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, it would be so appreciated if you left Letters to Women a quick review to let me know how I'm doing, but then also to share with other women about why you like the show. Follow along with the podcast and get all of the behind the scenes shots over on Instagram at letters to women underscore podcast. Tomorrow, if you're listening on the day this episode is released, tomorrow will be April 20th and take over Tuesdays. It happens on Tuesdays over on the Instagram account. Amanda Texera is taking over Instagram stories to give you a peek into her life as a Catholic woman and learn Learn more about the letter that she wrote to you in the brand new Letters to Women book about loving someone who's battling an addiction. Don't forget the new Letters to Women book is out in Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius. In everyday life, you'll encounter 30 women who wrote letters to encourage you to find your own unique feminine genius in your daily life as a Catholic woman. And there are discussion questions to help you enter into meaningful conversation with the women in your life about the feminine genius and the women that God has created you to be. You can find the new Letters to Women book wherever books are sold, as well as through the links in the show notes for this episode. That is all I have for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, be not afraid.